Welcome to the Trust the Truth podcast with Jeff Dawkins, where the pursuit of truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is chased down. The integrity within our society is degrading day by day, with headline-grabbing exaggerations driving the narrative. All that's about to change. Here's your host, Jeff Dawkins. Welcome to Trust the Truth with Jeff Dawkins. This is where we inspire people by enriching the commitment to truth and integrity in their lives. In this episode, I'm going to unpack some ideas behind parenting. And not like you've heard before, to be sure, but with the real cultural focus beginning in the home and not the one being touted in the world today. Follow me for more information on Twitter at Noble Courage Now. And subscribe for free at jeffdawkins.substack.com to get access to the library articles I've written on the foundation of truth. Get connected with a tribe of courageous leaders taking stands for truth wherever we can. Well, the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, is actually an older African proverb where quite literally the village identity was crystallized into the development of the children Because it was in that way that the specific culture and the customs of the tribe could be preserved and multiplied through generations. That's how civilizations flourished in these smaller villages. Well, unsurprisingly, in 1996, Hillary Clinton's book, It Takes a Village, tried to capitalize on this thought. She wanted to bring society together, except she wrote the society's influences outside the home were the shaping points that kids should have to make them into productive citizens. Really? I mean, I want to keep this episode short, so I won't even soup down to highlight the hypocrisy of that statement. Or how in 2014, she did a CBS interview where she said, quote, no one had a bigger influence on her life than her mom, end quote. I'm guessing that would be her biological mom and not the mom of society that she was so eager to write about in 1996. Well, that leads perfectly into this episode's integrity tip of the week. Model consistency both in your personal and professional lives. I say again, model consistency both in your personal and professional lives. I'm not actually going to go after Hillary with this, as you could probably fill the library with what's been written about her cowardly, inconsistent moral code. And yes, I actually still remember her parading around in a white pantsuit trying to be the democratic presidential solution to beat Trump in 2016, while all along she's running on some twisted platform highlighting her parent-instilled integrity. When behind her mask, she still failed to answer for being complicit in allowing the murder of Americans in Benghazi to this day. You know, I'd probably shoot her an email to call her out, but I'm sure it'd just get lost on her personal server and be gone forever. But like I said, this wasn't about Hillary. It is, however, a great illustration, though, of what it looks like to be inconsistent in both your public and personal lives. Well, conversely, the most well-known example of consistency in both personal and public life still belongs to Jesus of Nazareth. He was given to us from God as the living ransom to bridge the problem of a broken relationship between man and God because of sin. Entirely the sovereign plan of God from the beginning of time, Jesus lived a perfectly consistent life of biblical integrity, knowing full well it would cost him his earthly life. And he never was inconsistent, and he never shied away from what needed to be said and done. And I can just hear it now, before the yeah buts come out, 
just consider what the Apostle Paul wrote in the Bible, which is the best-selling book of all time. He writes, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man some would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, I can't think of someone that I wouldn't even summon to be around as someone that I would want to give my life for. But that's the model of integrity and truth and consistency found in the person of Jesus Christ. Historic, authentic, biblical Christianity is the most consistent single story ever written and has the most consistent central person of all time through Jesus as the theme. Which, believe it or not, leads me directly to parenting. This episode's Truth Over Lies segment has to start with the outrageous lie being passed as truth coming last week from Chicago. If you're following the news, unlike me, you're probably saying, well, what story are you talking about? Because there's so many. <laughs> Specifically, I'm talking about the Fox News report on April 16th. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote from their Fox affiliate there in Chicago. It reads, hundreds of teenagers stormed the streets of downtown Chicago, smashing car windows, attacking bystanders, and sending panicked tourists running from the sound of gunfire. Where are their parents at? That's my question. A woman who identified as... The Chicago native told Fox 32 as the unruly scene played out in downtown Chicago on Saturday night. Fox 32 cameras captured video of teenagers crowding the streets and police seeking to restore order to the area. I understand kids having a good time, but this is simply bad parenting, the Chicago native witness told Fox 32. We have to do better as parents. Our kids should not be out here. End quote. So that's the affiliate writing a brief narrative about the events that occurred. Now listen to what Illinois State Senator Robert Peters said as he justified the teen's behavior, claiming it was actually just a mass protest against poverty and segregation. So maybe the esteemed senator then can explain to his constituents how the destruction of property, how gun violence, including a six-year-old who was shot during the riotous behavior, and how terrorizing people downtown draws empathy to how poor and segregated the teens were. You probably can't because you couldn't see what was happening, as I'm sure he doesn't get his mail anywhere near the downtown Chicago area. But, you know, let's keep the hayride going. Chicago's own mayor, Brandon Johnson, condemned the behavior of the teams, focusing on how, quote, unacceptable, end quote, the destruction of the city was. But then received uh, just a weird twist in his thought. It's almost as if he received a text from the DNC telling him that he was off script for the narrative. And he said, quote, however, it's not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities, end quote. Well, it didn't look like it was their own community's property they were destroying and their own community's people they were terrorizing, Mr. Puppet Mayor. So I'm going to highlight the resident's quote on parenting again. She said, where are the parents at? That's my question, this woman said. I understand kids having a good time, but this is simply bad parenting, she said. Kids having a good time can be defined as a lot of different things, but if you watch the video like I did in disgust, you saw kids that were just destroying the bus shelters, that they were getting on top of the ledges over buildings that there was gunfire, that there was drinking, that there was drug use. They were blocking the streets. They were trying to carjack people. Explain to me how that is uh, a protest against the demonization of the youth. I don't get it. Well, parenting. 
Specifically, the God-designed structure of both a father and a mother in the home raising children is the greatest factor leading to well-adjusted kids growing up as adults. And we would see that. As a police officer, I see that. Specifically, the role of a father and the father's influence and presence in the home. And I just want to say this, that any single parents that are listening, if you're a mom or a dad, if you're serving your family, trying to do your best to provide, just please know that I view you as an absolute angel in your home. Stay resilient. And if you have a faith in Christ, you know that the hardships of this world, they don't even compare to the joy that you'll see in heaven. So I just, I want to throw that out there for my single parents that are most times not single parents by choice. And if they are by choice, it's because they recognize they had to get out of a bad situation to serve their family better. But let's look at some numbers to consider in fatherless homes. You want to fact check it, you can't all you want. But in the United States, there are more than 64 million men who identify themselves as being a father. And out of that figure, stats would say only 26.5 million men are part of a home where they're married to a spouse and have children under the age of 18 living there. Now, some of this data is from 2019, but it says that the U.S. Census Bureau reports that 22% of fathers are raising three-plus children under the age of 18, with all of them being their biological relative. Only 2% of fathers raising children are living in the home of a relative or unrelated individual. Now, there are 2.5 million fathers who are on their own in single-parent households, and in 1970, there were only 400,000 fathers in this situation. 18% of the single-parent households recognized by the U.S. Census Bureau are headed by a single father. Well, let me give you some incredibly shocking statistics about fatherless homes. And most of what I'm going to tell you, you see played out in culture, even through the bias that the media is going to show on social media or the news affiliates. Listen to this. 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in fatherless homes. That's according to the Texas Department of Corrections. It's 85%. 7 out of 10 youth that are housed in state-operated correctional facilities, including detention and residential treatment, come from fatherless homes. That's according to the Department of Justice. That's 70%. 39% of students in the United States, from the first grade to their senior year of high school, don't have a father at home. Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father. And that comes from National Public Radio. So if the Illinois Senator Peters wants to make a comment about the protest against poverty, maybe we should start with looking at the restoration of fathers in the homes. But it continues. Listen to this. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where the biological father is not present. And that equates to one in every three children in the United States, not having access to their father, according to NPR. Uh, did, did you hear that? Did, 24.7 million. One out of three kids doesn't have a father in the home. Children who live in a single-parent home are more than two times more likely to commit suicide than children in a two-parent home. And 72% of Americans believe that a fatherless home is the most significant social problem and family problem that's facing our country And that's according to the National Center for Fathering. The stats go on and on and on. And I actually am going to say some of these. It's unbelievable. I think you need to hear the truth over lies. 75% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger that's associated with feelings of abandonment that involves their father. And Department of Justice also says 
that living in a father's home is a major contributing factor to substance abuse, with children from such homes accounting for 75% of adolescent patients being treated in substance abuse centers. 90, that's 9 out of 10, 90% of youth in the United States who decided to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally came from a fatherless home, and 63% of youth suicides involve a child living in a fatherless home when they made their final decision. Stats show that there's less schoolwork monitoring, less social supervision, lower educational expectations in a single-parent fatherless home. And listen to this. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says, even when poverty levels are equal, listen up, Senator Peters, even when poverty levels are equal, children who come from a two-parent home outperform children who come from a one-parent home. And within the African-American black community, about 2.5 million fathers live with their children, while 1.7 million fathers are not living with them. Now, I'm not making any of these stats up. You can fact check all of them. This is not me. I just did the work to find this information because it's relevant to our crisis going on. 25% of children are the age of 18 and they're being raised without the presence of a father and about 50% of single mothers have never married. Over 30% of fatherless homes are classified as being food insecure. This is unbelievable. Children who live in a father's home are, listen to this, 279% more likely to deal drugs or carry firearms for the offensive purposes compared to children who live with their fathers. 275% more likely to deal drugs or carry guns for offensive purposes. Which leads to more stats. 92% of the parents who are currently in prison in the United States are fathers. Start making the correlation here. 43% of fathers do not see their role as something that's important to their personal identity. 54% of fathers in the U.S. say that parenting isn't enjoyable all the time, according to the Pew Research Center. I, I, I could go on and on and on. And believe me, we would just hit the tip of the iceberg. To consider that there is such a wealth of data demonstrating the reality that a father in the home, in a two-parent home, according to the biblical structure set up from the beginning of time, is one of the main deterrents from violence and poverty and in shaping the identity of these children is absolutely incredible. Why are we not addressing that issue? I mean, this is parenting 101. It's not about, let's let's put our kid in the corner for time out because he's misbehaving. Let's have some consistency in our personal and professional lives. Let's have men and women step up as parents and say, you know what, what's going on here is not right. You may be allowed to do this in other places, but your friends don't get to run this family I do. You know, and in my home growing up, we, we weren't raised by social media generation. We weren't raised by video games. We were raised to say, okay, Go out and join a team. Go, go join a sport. Go mess around. But when you get in trouble, you're going to be held accountable. You see, this is truth. The, the truth is that teenagers who get their definition of identity from their friends and not their parents are the ones who are rioting and destroying Chicago. The truth is society just accepts a teen with problems as, quote, expressing themselves. When in fact, they're committing crimes and deserve punishment no less than you or me do. 
I teach often in the police academy, and I've worked a majority of my career in serious crime-ridden areas on patrol. And here's some more truth. Ready for this? People do what people want to do. So don't tell me that this is a, a generation of misfit youth that have no possible way to change your situation. I encourage you, look at the upbringing of Thomas Sowell. Look at the upbringing and life of Star Parker. And then tell me that an African-American that has the dedication to do something different in their life is going to be constantly repressed and shut down. And that's just one example. People do what people want to do. I've been blessed by citizens without anything in their name stopping me to say thanks for my service. They invite me in their homes. I see it's well kept. Their yards are clean. Everything's clean in the home. There are kids there who respect their parents because just a look conveys the the discipline that's been going on over the home over time. Because, you know, the Bible says, if you love your children, you won't spare the rod. Discipline them. I've, I've heard stories at the police academy of recruits that sit in front of me who come from horrendous childhood experiences. And they decided, you know what? They say, they say Jeff, I don't, I don't want to be this way. I'm going to be different. And I'm a better man for every one of these people. There's, there's an old Kingston Trio song. And that was a group that my parents maybe listened to growing up that I absolutely couldn't stand and now can't get enough of. It's called, Where Have All the Flowers Gone? And my version nowadays sounds like, Where Have All the Fathers Gone? So make a difference. You want to address something? Start looking at your own life. Take a stand where you can. Volunteer at a library. Become a big brother, a big sister. Spend time at the Boys and Girls Club helping out. But what you don't want to do is just start whipping out judgment from the cheap seats while doing nothing to help the problem. Because you got to remember, one day, these are the adults who are going to be taking care of us. If we are not willing to build into what the Bible would say um, to be functioning, productive God-fearing, integrity-driven men and women of society, then we will reap what we sow, people. And that's the truth over lies. Join me next episode for more Truth Talk with J-Doc. And until then, stand your ground, challenge the lies, and trust the truth.